We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, May 11th. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined by one Jim Coventry. Today, we're getting into some Seahawks talk, some Ravens talk. After the draft, a couple rookie ADPs that, that we're going to take stock on, see if we like them, see if uh, maybe maybe we're out at that current price, rounded out with maybe a little bit of week one talk as well. So loaded show. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at Circus Sports. John McKechnie, Jim Coventry here on the mic. And, and Jim, the the real uh, Rotowire historians, the the old heads out there can, can certainly remember. And who could forget the, the, the 2020 NFL season where you and I were on the XM show a couple times a week. It's good to be back with you. Oh my gosh, that was a fabulous run. We get to recapture the magic today. Yeah, well, I've I've been waiting for this moment, waiting for the opportunity to, to get back on the mic with you. Pumped to do it. Um, let's go ahead and, and dig right in. So you've been you've been in the take mines, uh, finding uh, diamonds and gems to to give out to our readers uh, there in the public. And I want to start out in the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks, a very interesting draft from them. They, they, they you know, lucked out and they, they got the fifth overall pick for, from the Broncos. They turned that into Devin Witherspoon. Then uh, after the, the receiver market shaped up to be very icy to start in the first round, they, they went ahead, broke the ice, brought in Jackson Smith and Jigba, polarizing guy a little bit out of Ohio State. So I'll, I'll start there. I think the big question is, yeah, what does this receiver core look like in Seattle? What are the functions now that we have a, a grouping that has Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, of course, and then a, a you know high first round pick and Jackson Smith and Jigba entering the fold? Yeah, I love the question, John. And I think we have to build a narrative. It's always a narrative. The team will never tell you exactly what they're going to do. But if you want to dominate your fantasy draft, if you don't have a narrative, then you just kind of go with the whims of things. So let's just think of the history of Pete Carroll. When he had his Legion of Boom defense, which he doesn't have now, but he would run the ball heavy. They'd lean on their defense and they'd hold. Obviously, if you're running a lot, you're holding the passing attempts down. This defense is starting to build. 
and there is reason for optimism. They hit big with Tariq Woolen in the draft last year, and now they potentially have a bookend corner with Devon Witherspoon. And I know you'll certainly give a take on him because you do wonderful college analysis. But I obviously, where they picked him at, he has the potential of being a stud. Jamal Adams back from injury. Quandre Diggs, solid at, at, at safety. And even in the front seven, they showed a little life early in the season. They really kind of fell back later. But they bring Bobby Wagner back. And I know he's older, still functional. I think the narrative is this. They can play defense. They're not going to be a shutdown, lights-out defense. but with those corners, they are going to be able to compete. So what does Pete Carroll want to do? He's going to want to run the ball. So you ask about Jackson, Smith, and Jigba getting picked. First of all, Tyler Lockett, he's 30, and he is going to be phased out soon. This year he's fine. He didn't lose much last year. He's still playing at a high level. So I think we look back to last year, and even last year, defense wasn't good, but they predominantly ran two tight end sets. They had two receivers on the field. It's not changing, John. They're going to continue as their improved defense allows them to do that even more. So Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be under a target squeeze because we saw Metcalf and Lockett playing 85-plus percent of the snaps in most games. Metcalf's not going anywhere. Smith and Jigba certainly a smaller guy, probably better suited to the slot. You're not fooling with DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, as we all know, he can win outside. He can win in the slot. So my thought on Smith and Jigba is, when they are in passing situations, they go to three receiver sets. When they're trailing in games and they have to chase, he'll see time. I don't see him getting a lot of snaps because of that. A few. He'll take a few away from Lockett. And if so, so he misses time, of course. But when Smith and Jig was on the field, it's not like he's going to be the primary read. It's not like he's going to see targets at 60% of his snaps, right? You still have two amazing receivers. And but I'll let you stop. I'll stop here, man. I'm talking a little too much, and then we'll get to the running game and where this piece is in because it's a big part of this. Go ahead, Johnny. Chip in. Yeah. So so with with Smith and Jigba, yeah, mm. it's just the the ADP. Uh, I know I'm kind of talking about some that that we're we're, we're going to touch on some other rookies a little bit later on, but I mean the the ADP of being a late fifth round guy for, for him in an offense that you know has its top primary guys already locked in, already established with Geno Smith, it's it's kind of hard to see and hard to justify um, taking JSN um, quite, quite where the, the market says that you that you have to. So um, like you said, probably limited to the slot. I think that the, the testing metrics kind of confirmed that um, that concern that that some of his skeptics had entering the pre-draft process. So um, I, I think that he's a player that is going to round into something special. I, I really like him in, in dynasty, but I mean, in, in redraft at cost, like I, I'm just not quite there. And, and, you know, I, I also wonder um, with, with your point on, on the defense, if this is a passing tree that like the pie shrinks a little bit this year, because they will be able to run the ball a little bit more, play with the lead a little bit more, a little bit less catch up and, and not asking Geno Smith to throw it almost 600 times. Yes, Pete Carroll didn't want Russell Wilson to do that, right? And if he did, and he only did that when the Seahawks defense was terrible and he caved in to let Russ cook for the half a year or year and a half or whatever it was. And um, you know how that ended up. Not great. But anyway, Geno Smith is not likely to see the pass attempts he saw last year. And it was 35 attempts a game. Carroll doesn't want to do that. So here's the thing. So Ken Kenneth Walker, 
second round draft pick last year. He had a stretch where he was seeing 21 to 25 carries. But when they go into the draft, their depth chart was basically Kenneth Walker and DJ Dallas. That was it. There was like nobody else in the depth chart. So if Pete Carroll wants to run the football and play defense, you can't expect to give Kenneth Walker 21 to 25 carries a game, expect him to hold it for 17 games, and they're assuming they're going to make the playoffs rightfully so. So if that's the thing we're looking at, well, of course he needs another running back, and he doesn't need a bum. He needs a good running back. So he invests the second-round draft capital in Jack Charbonnet, one of my favorite runners in the draft. But honestly, our fantasy managers want to already say, uh-oh, Walker's in big trouble. Walker is certainly losing touches, but I think Walker's still the lead guy here. They're both second-round picks. I get that. Walker is way more explosive. Now, he's a hit-or-miss runner. We, we get that, but I think Carroll's willing to live with that a little bit. I My narrative, Johnny, here's, and you may see this narrative otherwise. I see that instead of that 21 to 25 carries that Walker was getting in many games, I think we're looking 15 to 18, maybe, you know, that's about right, right? And I think Charbonnet, we're looking 5 to 10. So he's going to have a little work, but I personally, I think Ken Walker's their guy. And then if he misses time, Charbonnet steps into a massive role. But Carroll needs a sustaining running game. And if your running back's hurt, you got to have somebody. Right, exactly. They, they absolutely needed some some depth and a hammer uh, as far as the depth like was concerned. Like if they were going to go with, with a you know a high draft pick at, at the running back position, not that they would have taken Gibbs, but someone in the, in the Gibbs mold wouldn't have made sense for them early in the draft. They they need someone you know with, with the physicality, the demands of the running back position, like with with Walker. If he were to break down, you needed someone that, that can absorb the, those functions, especially with, with Seattle potentially getting back to, to that run-heavy approach. So I thought that Charbonnet is a nice fit. I think that the it, there's been kind of an interesting I, – I wonder if it's an overcorrection as far as the, the ADP um, is concerned because Walker, like you said, he was like a late second, early third uh, round pick in, in best ball just because, hey, you look at the depth chart and you look at the way that he finished – last season especially from the volume perspective and you're like yeah man like th- this this could get even better in year two but now he now he's slid a decent bit to where he's at like the end of the fourth round so d- are you buying th- this new price w- when it comes to Kenneth Walker it, it, in the sense that you're not as concerned as the market would seem to suggest with, with that with that new price uh, with Charbonnet back there so yeah I like the way as always you frame that John and before the NFL draft, I had Kenneth Walker as my running back seven. Comfortable taking him in the second round toward the latter part. Comfortable there. But as you said, ADP has really fallen. It fell too much. Uh, based on my narrative, we all have to create that narrative, right? Well, my narrative is he's the lead guy. Charbonnet is going to mix it and get work. And so based on my narrative, I only move Walker down to running back 15 out of the running back one realm, and he's in that group of running backs, Travis Etienne or Madre Stevenson a little ahead of him, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce, guys all in this kind of same bucket. But I think Walker has that explosive ability that could kind of give him some more upside from that spot. Because last year, look, he played dinged up a little bit. So if he comes in with a full bill of health, I, I maybe we didn't see the best of Ken, Kenneth Walker last year. So I'm comfortable with him at running back 15, and I can wait clearly – Till at least a third, probably the fourth round, as you're saying, to take him. And at that point, especially if I'm going receiver heavy, which I am, then yeah, Kenneth Walker's on my short list. 
re- really like the the way that you put that. And and yeah, I, I think I'm definitely more comfortable with, with Walker now. And and I I, I do wonder also, you know, where you're at with, with Charbonnet at, at his new ADP, where where he's like a, a ninth or a tenth round pick. Uh, do you do you see the upside there if you're taking him? Are you expecting like those five to five to eight touches, or, or are you doing it more so as a hedge to to say along the line sometime Kenneth Walker going to miss some time and Charbonnet just t- takes over and and you know really kind of uh, forces the issue for Seattle to where he needs to start seeing uh, more touches even when Walker's back. Well, no surprise, John. I have him right in my rankings with guys like Khalil Herbert, Gus Edwards, you know, all these guys who have the similar roles. Right? They're going to see. They're going to see decent amount of carries, and if somebody gets hurt, they might see more. So I have him in that bucket of players. I have Charbonnet at running back 45. Um, that ninth, 10th round is usually where that goes about. I'm not aggressively targeting Charbonnet. Uh, as whichever of the running backs in that pocket, if I need a running back, I'm, I'm comfortable with any of them because any of them could walk into a bigger role. A lot of people are really, really down on Gus Edwards. He still had five yards to carry, and he he wasn't healthy last year. He he just like Dobbins coming back slowly from injury. But um, so anywhere in that bucket, and and, and we can talk another time about the Bears. But I, I I'm fine with Khalil Herbert. Roshan Johnson doesn't scare me at all. But that's another story for another day. So Charbonnet, where he's at, it, it's a fine ADP. Yeah, uh, but again, I think some people are going to actually draft him a little bit higher because I think there's an alternative narrative out there that this is like a, a one-two punch where they're both you know, both one number ones together. And I think some people are thinking they're going to get like 12 to 15 each. And if that's the narrative, if one person in the draft buys that when we get closer to August, then Charbonnet is going to move up a little bit more. And from a probability perspective, do you think there is a chance that 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 outcome does occur to to where it is like a a 1A, 1B, um, that they are like really splitting this work down the middle? It's certainly in the realm. Um, I've created my narrative, but we're always open because we never know what an organization is going to specifically do. The uh, The goal in their camp could be, you know what? Walker was hurt a bit last year. Let's keep them both fresh. That could be the, that could be their storyline. Um, and that's not the one that I'm rolling with, but we always have to be open to that possibly we're going to be wrong on these narratives frequently. But you had to go in strong to your draft with a narrative because otherwise you're too whimsical in drafts. Yeah, no, exactly. You got at a certain point, you got to like put your foot down on, on your um, expectations. And then uh, do you feel like Charbonnet and, and his ability as a pass catcher, uh, you know, catching 24 uh, passes in 2021, uh, 37 uh, th- this past year, whereas Walker had it basically non applicable grade. Uh, in terms of the pass catching element to his game, do you think that that um, helps Charbonnet get get some third down work, or is it if you can indulge me for a moment, my my old pal Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia? You know, and, and honestly, we can't forget DJ Dallas. He's a good receiver, and I know Travis Homer mixed it last year when he was with them. He's with the Bears now, but um, but you're right. Charbonnet's yardage after the catch was impressive too for a bigger dude, right? 214. And, and he was really good yardage wise. So yeah, there is a scenario where Charbonnet gets some work. Now, John, I'm going to defer a question to you here while I'm, gonna, while I'm answering this. Based on what Kenneth Walker did in college, is there unrealized receiving potential there? Um, I, I think that it, it we're still learning. You know, he, he had a, a decent catch rate for, for running back. 
uh, last season. Um, just I don't think that that's ever, he's ever going to be an ace. I, but I, I think what the Walker optimists and believers and people that are getting a lot of shares of him need is for him to just be a, a non-zero in the, in the passing game. He can't be a guy that needs to be off the field in obvious passing situations. So if he can get there, um, I, I think that you know th- things start to re- uh, add up nicely for him, and, and he can just kind of be a guy that that you you're fine with taking in PPR because he's going to give you just enough in that facet of the game. Um, can his uh, receiving totals be, be better than the 165 yards on, on 27 <laughs> catches from last season? Uh, I would I would hope so, if if nothing else. So um, I, I know it's kind of a, a flimsy answer, but I think that there there's a little bit more that that we can see that ends up being a, a positive mark in Walker's favor as far as his pass catching goes. Now, John, with Charbonnet, when I watched some film on him, I thought that he was not polished in pass pro. I, I thought he was a good receiver. And I wonder if Pete Carroll is going to expect that to be part of the game because it's not like Charbonnet is an explosive receiver. You know, where you put some receivers in the game, you're all right. You can't pass protect, but if we get you the ball in space, it doesn't really matter. I think Charbonnet would be more of the guy that you're expecting him to be pass protection, and then you could use him as a default. But I don't know that he has that polish yet, and training camp's going to tell a lot, which brought up my DJ Dallas point. He may not be a great player, but he has the trust of the organization from that perspective. Yeah, no, he he absolutely absolutely does, and that's a good catch as far as uh, Charbonnet and, and how he is in pass pro. I think that that's a classic, especially when we're looking at running backs get drafted, you know, outside the top forty or so. We kind of need to expand our, our uh, definition of, of like an early running back, just because it, it's so rare nowadays to see one go in, in the first round, let alone two like we did yep. uh, this year. Kind of just a, an aberration. Um, but when it when it comes to Charbonnet, like that, that's definitely something that you need to pay attention to in training camp because if he is like just getting folded up uh, by, by edge rushers, it, uh, that's going to be a problem. And, and, you know, Pete Carroll, especially early in the season until he gets it right is not going to, you know, want to put him out there in, in those type of situations. Now I do think that Charbonnet has the frame to be able to hold up yeah, in that 100%. sense. So it's just a matter of, of getting the reps. Um, I, maybe he didn't get quite enough of them at UCLA, kind of a funky offense that, that he's coming out of. Um, but, you know, a guy who's six foot, 215 pounds, like I, I think that he should be able to, to you know, and th- with the way that he runs as well, I think that that physicality carries over to, to the blocking part of the game. Yeah, I could see him turning in that. But in like, and I think you intimated this rookie year, there's a big learning curve. Sometimes it's not as big for others, but um, down the road, maybe this year, I like you said, well, let's watch training camp. Let's pay close attention to see if anything comes out of that. Cause first year for redraft leagues, that's something for, for dynasty. Like you said, I think it's a non-issue. I think that's something he learns. You, I'm not going to repeat what you said because you were spot on. Appreciate. So I think we have the, uh, the Seahawks buttoned up. So if, if you're having any, any wonderings uh, about Seattle this year, uh, yeah, we just gave you about 20 minutes on it right there. Uh, certainly nothing will change and we have it hundred percent correct. Um, but before we move on over to the Ravens, a quick word from our friends over at blue wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, on to Charm City. Uh, a lot's been going on, Jim. Uh, as you know, uh, I, I'm born Ravens fan. Uh, it's been a long off season. The way that, that I characterize it to, to people is that, you know, that old tweet that says every day on Twitter, there's a main character and you never want to be the main character. Um, the Ravens effectively were the main character of, of football Twitter uh, this off season and, and not uh, in a particularly flattering way with, with obviously the way that the Lamar Jackson uh, saga played out very, very publicly. Um, you know, we didn't even know until the day before the draft that he would be back in Baltimore. Obviously, then it ends up happening that way. And all of a sudden, would have been a, a very dreary couple months for, for Ravens fans. Suddenly, things look pretty sunny. And then the, the, the following day, they go ahead and they draft Zay Flowers in the first round. So, so I want to first get your thoughts on that pick. Uh, given the way that the board w- was falling, would Flowers have been your pick? Would receiver in general have been your pick? Um, if you were um, Eric DaCosta. So the Zay Flower pick, that's good. Flowers is interesting because in terms of talent, we love them. I am very concerned in terms of the Ravens because what we look at, this is a team that has been among the league leaders in rushing attempts most of the last four years. The anomaly was the year when they lost Dobbins, 
Edwards and Justice Hill the season-ending injuries. That year, they were in through the ninth most passes in the league, so they were pass-heavy. That was out of necessity. Otherwise, this team has been very run-heavy. Now, you pay Lamar Jackson, like you said. You bring in Odell Beckham. You bring in Zay Flowers. Rashad Bateman's hopefully healthy. You have Mark Andrews. So I think the narrative by many, John, is, oh, man, they're going to put the offense on Lamar's shoulders and they're going to let Lamar cook. Mm-hmm. Not so fast. John Harbaugh, has got, Super Bowl was 11 years ago. I get it. 2012, they won. Fine. But this organization plays hard-nosed defense. They run the football. They were 55.4, I believe, percent run in three of the last four years. So bringing in these receivers, it's great. But how much are they going to turn the dial, John? I think they're going to turn it some. I don't think this is any longer a 55.4% run team. But 50-50, maybe 52% pass. I think the dial gets turned a little bit. I don't think it gets turned a lot. So to Zay Flowers, where does he fit in here? So you bring, so we, we know Rashad Bateman's our ex. He'll line up. They may move around. We all know this, but primarily he'll be their ex. He'll line up on the opposite side of the field from the tight end, on the line, take on the contact. Great. Odell Beckham's brought in. They're not bringing him in to to be a third stringer. He's going to get the opportunity to start, right? When he'll be their stretch Z. He can play X, but he's better as a stretch Z. So he'll be the guy off the line, free release. They'll use him on many routes, but they will try to get him downfield a bit and unwrap that part of his game. Uh, Now, he hasn't been productive in for a full season in a long time 2019 I think is the last time he had a good season so Zay Flowers where does he fit in well he's probably gonna play the slot John how many receivers how many times are gonna have three receiver sets where they're gonna have him on the field in the slot I don't think it's gonna be a ton and then if he's in the slot oh wait who owns the middle of the field in Baltimore Mark Andrews so unless Odell Beckham isn't ready to play or he struggles, or he only plays 50% of the snaps. Where are the targets in the snaps going to come for Zay Flowers? I'm going to dump to you right there. I, I think the, the snaps could be there in, in the sense that, um, you know, with, with Greg Roman being gone, enter Todd Munkin, I think that they get out of being quite so too tight end heavy, which leads to a little bit, you know, this is more fringy, like more dynasty, or, or like you're you're taking your, your last round tight end, but, you know, I does concern me about Isaiah likely a little bit, but I think if they're running the, those sets where you got three wide and you got Mark Andrews, then yeah, flowers as the slot guy, like he's running to a, an area of the field where he's far and away, not the, the top read. It's still Mark Andrews. Absolutely. And I think it is, you know, e, you know, all things being equal when it comes to Bateman and when it comes to Beckham as, as well. So I, I think that, um, right now, drafters kind of have it wrong where, where they're leaning a little bit too much on Flowers being the, the first pick or the first round pick. And he's going first among these Ravens receivers, Mark Andrews notwithstanding. And no, I'm, I'm, I will gladly wait two, three rounds to, to grab a Bateman or a Beckham share before I'm even considering taking Flowers uh, wh- where he's going right now. And I like Zay Flowers. I, I've been a fan of his. Uh, since the early days at, at BC uh, when he was lighting up Virginia Tech in his first game, like, who's this fella? Um, but, you know, it's been awesome to, to follow his career, and, and he really carried a otherwise terrible Boston College passing game for, for the last four years. But I just don't really see it 
turning into like major fantasy dividends. Like he's just kind of capped out as like the, the at best, like the number four option in, in this passing game. And that's concerning to me. Like, even if you want to, you know, we're talking about turning the dial, you know, like expect the Ravens to throw it more this year. Okay, that's fine. But he is still just kind of capped out as far as what, what that role is. And I, I think Bateman, if he stays healthy for the full season, I mean, the, the numbers last year when he was healthy were, were pretty, you know, spectacular. And if Beckham is anything close to what we saw, even with the Rams, that's, you know, that there's just so many other places for Lamar Jackson to look. You know, when we're talking about Lamar Jackson, just think of how he can create, how when a play breaks down, he can move. And what we're looking at with Lamar Jackson is, oh my goodness, Odell Beckham is one of the best freelancers we may have seen. And if Jackson can get on the same page with him, buying time, John, that's going to be a that could be a scary duo. But I'm with you on Zay Flowers. I just I just use that earlier. Yes, Todd Munkins in, and I agree with you. There will be more light accessory receivers than there were in the past. But again, I just don't think. John Harbaugh is going to make a complete paradigm shift. And I don't think, I think you might be with me on that. I'm not sure, but it's not going to be a full paradigm shift. They're going to be more pass heavy, but this team is going to struggle to totally change that identity because it's been a very good dynamic they've had. It's been injuries and things that have kept them from winning with that formula. It's not been the formula itself. Now we all know Greg Roman. We all have our frustrations with him. So I do, he did need to go, but, um, Anyway, I do think we'll turn the dial, but it's I don't think there's a pass first team though. And you know, Munkin, I, I think is is really pragmatic more more than anything. And obviously, I followed him closely as, as the offensive coordinator at, at Georgia. Um, you know, he this is a this was a college team that had very little legitimate receiver talent. So what did he do? He just went heavy to the tight end. Um, so he's he's very adaptable. So it, if he sees a, a certain strength that maybe we're, we're underselling here or, or not fully grasping one way or the other, then he's going to, you know, still use that to, to his advantage the best way. But if he does feel like this team, this roster is set up best to to still be that that bully ball, run the ball first to, to set up the, the play action pass, then it's you know, that's what it's going to look like It's, it's going to look different than what Roman was bringing out there where he's just kind of trying to go medieval with, with, with some of his uh, usage and, and keying the, the defense anywhere that Patrick Ricard was on the field. That's, that's the way that the ball was going, that type of thing. I think that's out the window, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that this becomes, you know, like the Jameis Winston offense for, from when Munkin was in Tampa Bay. Now uh, the beautiful thing is, and there's a point I wanted to circle back to John, which I'm glad you kind of led me there. So I think you bring in Zay Flowers in the draft, obviously Beckham, because if you're going to compete for the Super Bowl, at some point you're going to have to get through the Chiefs, you have to get through the Bengals, who knows what the Chargers will be like, the higher scoring teams potentially. And I think for those games, if they fall behind, and we've seen Lamar dig out of some big deficits before, but with weapons, this could be a team that could come back fast if they need to, or if they have to get in a shootout, they can ditch the running game in the NFL playoffs or in a very important game. And they can be versatile to be able to, to again, turn the dial for those specific games. And I think that's the beauty. So again, I don't think they lose a lot of their identity, but when they need to, they're going to be versatile. Up. You mentioned Todd Munkin. I think that's the beauty of Munkin. Munkin's going to realize when that needs to happen. And he has the personnel to do some damage with it. Oh, he he absolutely does. Um, that you know this is this is about as loaded as the the offense has looked as far as the the personnel goes in quite some time. Uh, but you know again, 
we'll see how it all gets pieced together because there's so much new on this offense, whether it's the, it's the coordinator, it's Lamar being back, it's the addition of Beckham, the, the addition of Flowers. I think it, this becomes a fascinating offense uh, in that sense. And, and um, you know, just kind of rounding it out, um, do you like the, the new Lamar Jackson ADP where, where he's kind of someone that, that uh, you're going to need to target at more at like the, the two, three uh, turn in, in, uh, in best ball drafts? So are you talking super flex, John, or single quarterback? A uh, single quarterback. Sorry, maybe I'm mischaracterizing how high the ADP is, but but maybe it'll it'll continue to climb. Um, but you know, some someone who's you know like what the fifth, sixth quarterback coming off the board. Yeah, that's a right right. It's right. I I've had him going anywhere from that six to eight range. That's where I've had him going in the drafts I've been. So you're right about there. But um, he is clearly falling outside of that group that we have. You know, the big ones in Mahomes, and we have. Allen and Fields and a few others, uh, Jalen Hurts. He's outside of that field. I, he's in that bucket where we have Trevor Lawrence, we have Dak Prescott. Well, Prescott's going to later than them, but Lamar's in that bucket, but he's the early part of the bucket. And so this is an opportunity to buy on Lamar Jackson, I do believe. Yes, he's missed games, and, and I think that's the problem. He's missed games the last couple of years, so we do have some concerns there. So we're going to have to be careful but I think Lamar Jackson is a great investment because this is clearly the best set of weapons that he has had during his time in Baltimore. And this is the first time he's going to have a conducive coach that will allow him to maybe unlock some things. We know he had the MVP year a number of years ago, but uh, and those numbers, that was a hit. That was a crazy good season. But somewhere between his best season and somewhere that and between that MVP season. Yeah, I think he's a, yeah, he's a potential steal in drafts. And look, all quarterbacks can get hurt. Right. They, they can. Um, I think that, you know, the timing of his injuries the, the last couple of years where, um, you know, the Ravens were, you know, people forget this. They were the one seed Thanksgiving weekend of 2021. He gets hurt. They, they you know, just kind of struggled to the finish line. They end up missing the postseason last year. They make it. They they kind of have this crazy game against the Bengals, but they, they weren't going anywhere be, beyond that. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, that that was. That was tough. So I, th- I think the, the Lamar durability concerns are, are legitimate. And I think if you are targeting him uh, in, in single quarterback leagues, like you need to maybe think about your QB two um, a little bit earlier that, than what is ideal for, for you know, if, if you're building around like a, a Mahomes or, or a Josh Allen or a Jalen Hurts, that type of thing. Um, so just make sure that you have that, that solid second option that, that can be durable, or at least we hope uh, can be durable. But I, I still feel like that this, you know, incoming – is going to be a very, very strong uh, season from Lamar Jackson. I think the change at coordinator is going to do Baltimore a lot of good. Um, let's see, anything else on the Ravens that, that you wanted to touch on before we move on to, to some rookie uh, ADPs? Yeah, I still think the running back position is going to be interesting there. I, look, J.K. Dobbins, I think he is one of the better runners in the NFL. But I just had this sneaking suspicion they're going to continue to underutilize him. I, I wonder if and I know his first season, I know they really eased him in. Second half of the season when he was really good, he was getting like 11 to 16 carries a week. It was like that. He wasn't getting more. And then when he finally got healthy last year, pretty much that same workload. I just have this feeling that's what Harbaugh wants him for. He doesn't want to give him any more work than that. I could be wrong. 
And, and the, that's the problem. So we'll never get that upside out of J.K. Dobbins when he's not getting the workload that we know he could be one of the dominant running backs. But his ADP reflects his usage. And I think based on that, he continues to be a strong pick. And if they use more three receiver sets and they see a, a one less body in the box, J.K. Dobbins could do a lot of damage on 15 touches a game. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're talking about like maxed out efficiency. Um, you know, again, the, the volume maybe not being ideal r- relative to a workhorse running back, but you, you're not really finding that too much anyway, um, especially at, the, at that part of the draft. So you're just hoping that this is a, a team that can move the ball, him still being a, a major factor. And then, you know, best case scenario for, for them, it's an offense that scores a lot of touchdowns. Uh, if they get in, they're getting into the red zone, maybe a little bit of less Lamar Jackson down by the goal line. Uh, certainly less Tyler Huntley uh, d- down at the goal line. I, I still uh, have nightmares of Sam Hubbard uh, running that one back. But um, either either way, I, I do like Dobbins at, at his ADP, and, and I will continue to, to get shares in bulk uh, of the former Ohio State running back. Uh, before we move on over to some rookie ADPs in best ball, we got a message from our friends over at Circa. The ultimate fantasy football draft can only take place in Las Vegas. Circa Resort and Casino wants to bring your whole league to Vegas with the ultimate fantasy football experience giveaway. Bring your 12-person league for a two-night stay at Circa Resort and have your draft at a cabana at Stadium Swim. Plus, limo transportation to and from the airport, a welcome party at the Legacy Club, a booth at the world's largest sports book, and more. A prize package valued at over eight thousand dollars there's no better place to draft than circa 21 and up go to circalasvegas.com for more information the ultimate fantasy football draft can only take place in las vegas again go to circalasvegas.com for more information a two-night stay at circa have your drafted stadium swim plus multiple parties for your league around circa the best we drafted at circa we hung out at circa last summer uh, i mean they, they aren't kidding it's the best fantasy draft experience you can have love circa cannot wait to go back anybody that wants to take advantage of this promotion definitely do it do not be shy about it circa is amazing the only downside for roto wire going is we go during all-star baseball weekend and they have all those amazing screens and we don't get to see live sports but the other 362 days a year beautiful yeah i mean i i saw some some uh stuff on twitter from like march madness week uh especially the opening weekend is like that that looks like the the spot to be so definitely excited to be back there with you as well uh again folks go to circalasvegas.com for more information on that all right let's go ahead let's shift gears over talking some uh, rookie ADPs that we're buying or selling. Um, we already kind of got into the Jackson Smith and Jigba as an end of the fifth round uh, type of guy. And both of us being a little bit out on that. Uh, let's, let's really rip the bandaid off. Go, go to the guy that, that everyone wants to know the, the right answer to B. John Robinson. Is he worth not just a first round pick? Is he someone that you could even justify taking first overall in redraft? 
I won't take him first because Justin Jefferson, and I'm still fine with Christian McCaffrey. I, and I'll talk for a second about McCaffrey. I believe that with Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan is not going to pound him between the tackles too frequently. He'll run him there when he has to, but he's going to get him in space. The receiving game is going to be better than ever. And I really believe that we did not see the beginning of how Shanahan wants to use McCaffrey. Give, give Shanahan an offseason to craft an offense with McCaffrey. It is going to be sick. Now, after that, honestly, there's a bucket of five running backs, and Bijan Robinson is in that bucket. And it's, it's pretty interchangeable. I mean, Derrick Henry's going to get old at some point. He hasn't yet, but his yards per carry have gone down. His receptions have gone up to kind of mask the fantasy value. Jonathan Taylor uh, coming off the rougher season injuries. I would have Jonathan Taylor ahead of Bijan Robinson. So as we look at these first round, and Austin Eckler, not happy with his contract situation. Um, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Is there a chance he gets dealt? He's allowed to look for trade. Probably doesn't happen. But if they if they lighten his usage at all, or if he complains. So there's a number of running backs that have questions. Bijan Robinson, his real question is the unknown. That's the question. Other than that, Arthur Smith, we know he is going to have a top blocking scheme, whether that's multiple tight ends, multiple running backs. He is going to commit to the run. John o. Smith is probably going to be an H back in there. going to utilize him well. Bijan Robinson should, with the draft investment, see a ton of work. Younger backs, again, injuries can happen to anyone at any time, but younger backs are the ones who tend to get hurt least. When you look back at the career of McCaffrey, three straight years of 16 games, Jonathan Taylor, a couple of years, didn't miss time. So if you're gambling that way that the younger backs before they're beat up, use them then, you could make a case for drafting B. John Robinson. Again, I'm not going to draft him before McCaffrey, but after that, I don't have him quite there, but I can make the case for it. I think him and Eckler is a really interesting like inflection point. And I feel like, I, I'm an Eckler like absolutist. Like I, I love watching that guy play. Um, I, I think that he's been phenomenal for his fantasy managers for, for quite some time. Everyone knows that. Um, but I wonder if, you know, I, I think that the chargers were just kind of misusing the biggest piece of that offense, which is Justin Herbert. When you rely that much on checkdowns, when you have a guy like Justin Herbert, that's a problem. And, and I think, uh, move, moving their offensive coordinator, getting rid of them, bringing in Kellen Moore, who, you know, I, I think that people are, are kind of split on. People are really excited about him early on in Dallas, less so at this point. But I, I think that, that there's just like, at least it's not what it was over these last couple of seasons there. So I do wonder if Eckler just starts to see that PPR utility that, that kind of made him a cheat code fall off a little bit and, and if that ends up being the case and he's not getting the between the tackles work and not to say that the chargers i was really concerned that the chargers were going to take a running back early um and kind of fix that rb2 position in a way that they haven't in recent years spiller obviously not the guy josh kelly uh not overly impressive in his own right either so i think that this this chargers team especially with adding, adding quentin johnson like they should just they should just be th like close to the league lead as far as uh you know passing volume passing play percentage is concerned and it shouldn't be going to the running back it, it just shouldn't um so um with that in mind i think i am open to the idea of taking Bijan robinson over him i think that you know the the falcons kind of have the opposite problem where it's like they they have 
probably what's going to be one of the worst uh, passing attacks in the in the league this year, whether it's Desmond Ritter, whether it's Taylor Heineke. They, they've improved their offensive line a little bit. Um, I think that they, you know, they're a team that last year was second in the league in, in run play rate. You plug Bijan Robinson into that system, I think it, it pays those immediate dividends. And he's not like I, I loved Tyler Algier. I, I was kind of surprised that the Falcons decided to go that way, but they did. And we got to accept it. it's the new reality. And I just feel like Bijan is, you know, there you're not taking a a, uh, a running back in the top ten to just kind of have him split some carries with a guy who drafted on day three last year. And John, I want to put in one word for Jonathan Taylor. I do believe that he benefited greatly from Anthony Richardson being drafted because you give him a mobile quarterback. I talk all the time about this that mobile quarterback will freeze linebackers. It gives the running backs that extra nanosecond that they don't typically have. And I believe that Richardson will start week one. There are five tight ends on that roster. Will Mallory's the fifth one. They drafted him. But they have mm-hmm. five tight ends on the roster. Farrell Brown is there. He can block. Uh, but they also have the three holdovers from last year. And this tells me this team is going to run two and three tight end sets. They are going to be running it with that mobile quarterback. Jonathan Taylor, it doesn't matter if it's a stack box because if you have that many bodies in the blocking game and you have that mobile quarterback, when you get to the second level, you have a lot more room than you had. So I think Jonathan Taylor is in an understated big spot here. The the good thing about about Taylor, at least right now, is he's someone that you can still get in the early part of the second round, which is nice. So you could theoretically – um, if Bijan slips to his ADP at seven, you can get Jonathan Taylor potentially piggyback if you wanted to go like the, the two running backs earlier. That That is an interesting point on, on Richardson. So I, I want to dovetail off of that. Are you getting Richardson at his new ADP? It's around pick 85 over on underdog that this uh, I'm guessing you like you said, you're thinking that he starts uh, week one. Yeah, I mean, if it was almost any other team, I would have said no way. But the configuration that he comes into, and again, five tight ends on the roster, how do they not start him and how do they not make it an RPO offense? Because their roster is so built for that. He could not have walked into a better situation. The passes, they're going to be play action shots. You know, they're going to be very, very calculated shots because we know he has accuracy issues. And Michael Pittman's a fairly big target who could be over the middle. Alec Pierce, look, I, I, his numbers weren't great. He showed downfield ability, but Matt Ryan couldn't get the ball downfield last year anymore. He wasn't getting protected, but we saw flashes. So Pierce downfield. Now, obviously Richards is not going to be throwing for 300 yards, but when he throws in addition to that running ability, John, I say this every year, Tim Tebow was a QB one in fantasy and he could barely pass at the NFL level. And True. so now drafting Richardson is scary. I'm not, gonna lie about it because I, I he will not be my QB one in any league because I can't trust him. I, I just there's too many issues, but it's not gonna surprise me if he ends up as quarterback eight. I mean he, he certainly has that athleticism. Um if if they're able and I, I think it's interesting, you know, Jalen Hurts was a much more polished passer that, than Anthony Richardson was coming out of college. It took him a while to get there. It took him actually until he got to Oklahoma to really unlock that part of his game and start to develop it. And it, it wasn't really apparent as a passer until maybe 2021, his second year in the league. And then of course that this past year where, you know, he, he 
did enough to earn a gigantic contract. But I, I think that it's interesting the parallel that that you know Shane Steichen uh, being in Indianapolis, like maybe he's the guy that that kind of is able to um, figure out the the best way to to get the the passing production and, and put them put these quarterbacks in the right situation to to have success. Uh, so in in that case, yeah, Richardson potential league winner, like you said, if you're getting a QBA production at that point um, at, at ADP, although that ADP is not, it's not necessarily um, like a shrieking value the way, the way it would have been, you know, it, like the, the way that he's going over Stroud by, let's see, uh, like uh, basically a hundred picks uh, that, that type of thing, like, you know, you're, you're not getting that level of, of potential profit uh, off of Richardson. No, hundred percent. I really don't have much to add. That I think you're you're spot on because again, this is a mobile quarterback. I, overall, Stroud will be protected. Bryce Young will be protected. They both have good tackles. Both both those quarterbacks. But um, you know, you go to Carolina and the weapons. I like DJ Chark, but he's a number one, not so much. And Thielen, mm-hmm. I don't think he can get open anymore. And then over in Houston, I, I you know I like Nico Collins, but again, I don't know. If there's a real number one in either of those. So I think both of the you know, the other rookie quarterbacks that were drafted high, I think that that's not optimal. So I think that, you know, Bryce Young with the Panthers, I'm, you know, dynasty more than redraft, but I don't think, you know, it's one of those things. I'm just going to say Richardson easily. And the other two, I really am not interested in Stroud or Young in redraft. Yes. I'm more interested in Stroud than than Young, but this is like, you know, a a late round flyer. You know, we're talking about like 17th, 18th round in, in best ball. Uh, I, and I want a QB three if if it's um, not super flex. Um, let's get on to you know the other running back who is particularly interesting, and uh, his ADP has has skyrocketed. Uh, he's an early fourth round pick now, late, maybe late third, and you, some people justifying that, of course, in the you know around pick thirty or so. But that's Jameer Gibbs of of the Detroit Lions. Um, your your thoughts on him at the at the new cost? Yeah, I'm a little concerned about Jameer Gibbs' usage. His usage is a little bit going to be problematic for me. I have him as my running back 21. That means I'm not getting shares. I'm probably not getting him at running back 21. People have him higher. Mm-hmm. And at 199 pounds, I don't think he's a strong inside runner anyway. And I think David Montgomery, they're paying him. He's not great. He's not even very good. But he runs between the tackles. And he's reliable. And somebody's got to eat those carries. Basically, it's like an innings eater in baseball. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery is going to get 12 to 15 carries in most games. I think what we see for Jameer Gibbs is I, I think it's five-day carries, hoping to get him to the outside a little bit. And then the targets, I don't know if you can count on them game to game. There will be games where he gets six to eight targets and he goes off. But there's games when they may not throw to the running back a lot and he might get three targets. So I just think – he's not going to have a high usage floor and to put him higher than 21 at running back. I have Miles Sanders out of him, and, and I believe the buzz out of Panthers camp, they're going to throw him the ball. They're going to get him back involved. Like he was as a receiver in his rookie year, when I believe he caught 50 passes, not 50 targets, something like that. I believe Sanders is going to have excellent work usage. You know, so that's a player I have ahead of him. Damian Pierce, I know he kind of hit a rookie wall and then he got hurt last year, but Damian Pierce, he was really good and he's in a little better situation this year. And I believe he's going to see like heavy volume. So I think these are guys that running back, if I'm my running back too, 
the volume's kind of important. I don't want to swing for the fence with my running back too. No, it, and you know, I, I think that it, I I just wonder about the way that Dan Campbell envisions his ideal backfield. Like, is this just like a supercharged version of last year, where where is Swift and and Jamal Williams? Where you know who you and obviously Swift was was dinged up for for big parts of the season, but people were taking Swift a lot earlier than Williams, and they were not happy to see how things went. and And I just wonder if this is that all over again, where where everyone is going to be shrieking on Sundays when it's David Montgomery who who you know puts up twenty plus points in the fantasy box score and gives it gives them you know like fewer than ten. So my my view on Gibbs is that. Like you said, it's going to be light carry volume, but I think he's going to have tremendous efficiency with it. And, and he is um, a rare pass catcher, but there's just there's just no way that he gets those money carries. Like he didn't at Alabama. Um, like at Georgia Tech is a different story because there there he was the, so far and away the, the best player on that team. Like had almost basically like had no Georgia Tech had no business getting Jameer Gibbs in the first place. But last year, uh, Jace McClellan, much bigger guy. Uh, at Alabama, he was the one that was taking the between the tackles work and, and down by the goal line. Like that, that's gonna happen again with, with David Montgomery. So I, you know, if it, if it's an at cost comparison, like I'm taking Montgomery and I'm trying to get as many shares of him as I can because I, I just worry that Gibbs, especially at this new uh, price tag, like unless it's PPR and he just completely crushes it that way through the air, then there's just there's just no really. Uh, potential for for profit uh, on this one and and uh you know with i'm i'm a big underdog guy that's half point ppr i'm i'm i just can't really get with with gibbs at that price now it's not to say that i i hate him for dynasty or anything i think he was clearly uh the the number two back in this class um i, I didn't quite get to you know some people's level of like is he actually better than, than Bijan? but i think that his utility just a, as an outside the tackles runner and as a pass catcher, I, I think that the, the volume here and, and the returns are, are a little bit overstated if, if you're taking him early fourth. Yeah, we're on the same page exactly with this one. I think we handicap it in the same manner, and I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, ultimately, I think it's not lazy analysis to look at Jamal Williams' role with DeAndre Swift. When Swift was healthy last year, and there were times he was healthy, and Williams was still seeing work. You mentioned Dan Campbell. I believe it is a Dan Campbell thing. He's that tough guy coach, and he wants that those grinder carries. And he had, and they could have kept Jamal Williams. They felt that David Montgomery was an upgrade over Jamal Williams. Otherwise, they could have gotten Williams for less money. Right. And so they didn't make that move for no reason at all. That move was purposeful. It fits the Dan Campbell mold. So no need to carry on. I have, but I will say I have David Montgomery at running back 36, and I will try to have shares as well. Yes. Okay. All right. So a good like a RB three to to be targeting. Um, let's see. Any other uh, rookies that that you wanted to touch on? Um, or actually, I got one more for you. Uh, Jordan Addison for for Minnesota. Yeah, Jordan Addison could not have landed in a better spot. So obviously, Justin Jefferson is the alpha of alphas, right? And um, he'll command a ton of targets, a ton of attention, which is even more important. And they really have a vacuum where they needed a Z receiver. And I think that Jordan Addison, 5'11", 173, he profiles more of a slot guy. But I think the free release off the line, I think they're going to have to use him as a Z, I, which is fine. 
Um, I think they can land over there. I wasn't happy with his testing, Johnny. I mean, for 55th percentile 40 time, 50th percentile explosives, that scared me. That definitely sure. did. But I think we're looking at Kirk Cousins, who, look, say what you want. He's a professional quarterback. And, and I mean that in a positive way. When they He could put points on the board. Not every week. He has the implosion games. But they have a bad defense. And they're going to have to throw a lot. And it's got to go somewhere. TJ Hawkinson certainly could be the second option in the passing game. But Jordan Addison's going to have to be involved with all the attention that Jefferson's going to see. So I think he steps into an optimal situation. He'll play some slot as well, too, certainly with his size. But I really do feel that they're going to need him as an outside Z just because of the configuration of their team. Um, he's small. I'm Like I said, he's 5'11", 173. So that that's concerning. But volume is king, Johnny. It is. And, you know, I wonder not that he's going to be taking off of Jefferson's plate, but but just like if if you're running the show in Minnesota, do you want to just over like overload Jefferson with targets that same way you take a guy like Addison in the first round? That that seems to suggest they want to be at least a little bit more balanced there. And, and you know, their wide receiver two position last year was such a black hole, you know, whether it was Thielen, whether it was K.J. Osborne, like there's just no production coming from there. And, and like you said, you know, they, they go ahead and add Hawkinson at the tight end position during the season to, to try to, you know, help out fight, like threaten the defense in a way that that's not only Justin Jefferson. I think that Addison is in a prime spot as far as the role is concerned. And yes, he, he might not be quite who we thought he was coming out of Pitt, coming out of USC when, when you know, he won the Bolitnikoff a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe he's not that guy, but I, I think that, you know, he's going to be the number two option in that offense. And I think that he's the type of polished uh, type of route runner to where I think he transitions very smoothly to the league. So obviously Justin Jefferson's still worth a a top five, top three selection in in fantasy. But I think at cost at at the end of the six where Addison's going, like I'm taking, I would take him straight up over Jackson Smith and Jigba. You need to get like a round and a half earlier. Oh, 100%. I definitely have Addison ahead in landing spot is everything. And you're intimating this, John. It's exactly what it is. We're not saying Jordan Addison is a better player than Jackson Smith and Jay, but it's not what we're saying. Could be, but we're not. And um, opportunity is everything. It, it is. So with that in mind, uh, give me Addison. Definitely, you know, thumbs up on the current ADP. As we round out the show here, uh, we the schedule fully releases uh, later Thursday evening. We, we, we've gotten a couple games leaked out, and wouldn't you know it, Jim, we already got lines uh, on these games. So I'm going to th- throw two games at you for, for opening weekend, a couple of the primetime games that have spreads. Uh, let's, get, let's get some picks going. Chiefs, Lions, Chiefs, minus six and a half at home to open the season against the Lions. Man, Andy Reid does not cover spreads well. <laughs> Always <laughs> makes me nervous. And we've learned last year how scrappy the Lions are. And it's not a touchdown. That line will get bet over a touchdown because people are going to see the Lions and they are going to be like, whatever. So I think <laughs> right now it's six and a half. I think we do take that line minus six and a half because I think that'll be seven and a half or eight before games kick off months from now. What do you think? Yeah, well said. I think the, the market's definitely going to move. This is going to get bet up over a touchdown. That, then it becomes a tougher one. But as it stands, minus six and a half, reigning Super Bowl champs at home. I know that the Lions are a lot of fun, and, and they're an exciting story. It's hard not to like them. Um, but, oh, man, they, they are really walking into a tough spot. 
uh, to open the season. So I, I'm taking the Chiefs at six and a half. Well, seven and a half it will be a different question, but we're not there yet. So uh, again, the line is what it is, six and a half. I will take the Chiefs. And then uh, rounding it out, a AFC East clash in the Meadowlands. We got the Jets, one and a half point home dogs against the Bills. Does the Aaron Rodgers era start off uh, extremely well, or, or do, uh, do the Bills kind of do what they did? Uh, well, they, they won't do what they did to the Rams last year on, on opening night, but uh, you know, do they, do they come in and kind of remind everyone? Cause I feel like the, the dart, the doubters did not exist for the Bills coming into last year, but I feel like this, this off season after the way that their, their year ended in the postseason, I think the doubters are starting to get a little bit louder. You know, the one and a half line. Wow. That's a tight line, right? Well, the Jets were expecting a lot of great defense out of them. Offense is going to take time. That offense is going to be far from finished product. Brees Hall, great reports, but is he going to be fully 100% in week one? The last memory of the Bills was not a good memory. Down the stretch, they had the unfortunate situation with DeMar Hamlin. I'm glad he's better, but there was a lot of, of, of their hearts were just like out and they were worn out emotionally. So we yeah. didn't see the real Bills, and they were banged up. Now, Von Miller probably won't be ready for week one. That said, I think the Bills covered this thing. The Bills, this is not last year. I believe they are going to come out hot. And I think, again, I think the lasting memory is going to shy people away, and I think people are going to overreact to Aaron Rodgers. I think it's going to take a while for the Jets to mesh. That That's an interesting point on, on the Jets. I, I think that that's being you know kind of understated right now as far as what this offense looks like this year and, and having everything click in, into place right away. You're asking a lot of that uh, with, with, with this line in week one and, and, uh, and the, you know, the bills obviously being the opponent. Um, I will continue to be skeptical about the bills and, and their Super Bowl chances for, for this upcoming season. But yeah, I think, I think that there might end up being too many moving parts here for, for uh, the jets to cover this uh, week one. So that, that's a good call, Jim, that's going to do it for us here. But before we jump off, uh, where, where can people follow you if they if they aren't already, which I, I find hard to believe? And then what 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 are you working on right now? So you can always catch me at Jim Coventry NFL on socials. Uh, hey, I'm not dancing, but I'm on TikTok almost every day, and you're glad I'm not dancing, okay? <laughs> uh, but I am doing like one minute videos of players 2023 fantasy breakdown the rookies right now. So I'm covering those a lot there. Twitter, um, I'll do be back to doing threads soon. Always on Rotowire. Uh, we won't start XM up until um, July, so we'll have to hold tight for that. But those are the main places to find me and look forward to interacting with you. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from everybody. Absolutely. Love it, Jim. This was such a blast. Uh, thanks again for, for jumping on for, for our guy Mario this week. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, again, presented by our friends over at Circa. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.